Happy Friday and welcome back to Locked On Red Sox podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen every single day. I'm your host, Massachusetts Pirates team insider, Jake Ignazewski. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to be joined by my co-host, Lauren Campbell today. But I hope you did enjoy part one of my conversation with Mass Live Red Sox beat reporter Chris Cotillo and is excited for part two. Because in this episode, Chris and I touch on who is going to be the catcher of the future, as well as Chris gave his thoughts on the Hall of Fame voting and what it could look like in the results next week. So let's listen to part two of my conversation with Chris Cotillo. <laughs> Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're just making uh, all these scenarios come up in my mind. You know, if the Red Sox sign Chris Bryant, maybe he could go over at third base and then Devers could go at DH or, you know, mm-hmm. if – where will Chris Bryant fit in the outfield at Fenway? I don't see him playing either right field or left field. Verdugo can't play any other place other than left field. Um, and so it's it's tough, especially with how many guys that the Red Sox have, with how much versatility they have. It's tough to fully figure out how this depth chart is going to look. Right. And I, I think they would say, if you're asking anybody in the organization, that's, that's a good problem to have. That's what they're aiming for. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, you brought up as well some – some guys I found interesting to upgrade the bullpen. I, I think this was the number one Achilles heel for the Red Sox throughout last season. I mean, especially going into the playoffs, it was with how many games that they blew in the second half, it was tough to have confidence in this bullpen and hoping that they could lead you to a World Series. But uh, I, I saw that some guys that you mentioned who who could be potential fits for the Red Sox is guys like uh, Andrew Chafin as, as well as Ryan Tempra. Uh, but could you potentially see a guy like Joe Kelly in the Red Sox have a reunion? Uh, wouldn't rule it out. You know, all those relievers, I think, are if the price is right and you know the, the metrics are there, I think the Red Sox would have interest. Obviously, Kelly's a guy they know. Um, you know, he's been inconsistent and kind of unhealthy in, in L.A. So, um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what price he'd come at. Uh, Chafin's a guy they've had interest in in the past. Tapera's a guy that, you know, pitched well last year, I think, for both Chicago teams. So, um, you know, those guys are out there. Kenley Jansen's kind of the big fish. There's a few guys on the trade market. Michael Fulmer in Detroit. Um, you know, Josh Hader is the you know the real big name in Milwaukee, um, and a couple others that I can't think of off the top of my head. But they they need to add people because you know you can't trust Matt Barnes. Um, you know, right now their two best relievers look like Garrett Whitlock and Tanner Houck, and um, it looks like that they you know they might want them to be. Uh, starters at some point, if not at the beginning of the season. You know, a guy that I think makes sense a lot to come back is Adam Ottavino, too. I mean, he was not mostly bad last year. Uh, probably give you a hometown discount at the end of his career. So, um, you know, they have their options. Uh, Robles, another guy that they, they like down the stretch, he's still a free agent. So, a lot of guys still out there. Yeah, I completely agree. It's going to be interesting. But, I mean, you mentioned Barnes. It's it's tough to fully have any sort of confidence in, in Barnes to – be in that closer role. I could see him more in like the setup role. We we saw Dave Bush, the Red Sox pitching coach, mention you know the workload from last year's first half be such an issue for Matt Barnes. Right. Uh, but I mean, with with how how much uh, bullpen depth the Red Sox have to fill, it's it still begs the question: who is going to be their closer in twenty twenty two? Right, and once once that 
You know, I, I think right now the favorite is probably Whitlock. If you had to give, if I had to name one, I personally think Hout should be in the bullpen. Whitlock should be in the rotation long term, just kind of with their their arsenals. But um, I think Whitlock probably would be the guy if the season started tomorrow. Again, there's a lot of time before that. We don't know how much time before that, and uh, um, there there's going to be additions. And I think the Red Sox could make a splash there. You know, I don't think they're going to make a splash in the rotation. Um, I think they could make a splash in the outfield, but the bullpen is a place where people aren't really talking about and, you know, go out and get a really solid arm. I hope you guys have been enjoying my conversation with Chris Cotillo so far, but Lauren just wanted to take a second to tell you about Built Bar. You know me by now. You know how much I absolutely love Built Bar. And now that it's the new year, that means some New Year's resolutions are starting to kick in. And if yours is about getting fit, maybe eating a little bit healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the best protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. doesn't have that chalkiness, maybe that cardboard taste that some other protein bars have. And it makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you will want to eat it unlike those other protein bars, like I said, that can be a little chalky, a little cardboardy, maybe even a little waxy. It's just not good. Built Bar is not like that at all. There are so many flavors to choose from. There's raspberry, double chocolate, mint chocolate, and my favorite, cookies and cream. And Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. So by like week three of your resolution when getting eating healthy is getting a little bit tricky, you kind of thinking, where's the chocolate? Built Bar. Built Bar is where the chocolate is at. And we have an offer for you. Go to Built.com. Use offer code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. That's locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. If Lauren was here, she'd have a huge smile on her face. She She's a big component of uh, Whitlock in the closer role. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I see him more as the long reliever and, and you know, the back end starting role. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where the Red Sox go with this. And one other position that nobody has really talked about too, too much, but you've been somebody who's, who's brought it up a lot. And uh, I, I think it's a question that, people need to ask is who is going to be the catcher of the future you know um w- when we saw christian vasquez his club option came up this past offseason it, it sort of seemed like the, the red sox waited until the absolute end of, of the deadline to where they could pick up that club option and mm-hmm. you mentioned in one of your articles it, it wasn't a no-brainer and there was right. a debate in the in the front office about it yeah that was the case you know i think he had uh obviously and we talked about this before we started rolling about you know that uh, that heroic homer in the ALDS. And I think people remember that from a season, but if you really look at, you know, the season he had, um, it was really, really poor at the plate. Uh, the power numbers were way down. The average was way down. He was a guy that was, you know, dropped down in the lineup by the end of the year. Uh, if uh, Kevin Pulecki was playing a lot more, um, even though he couldn't really, you know, throw. Uh, I, I think there's like, a lot of evidence that points to, you know, Vasquez kind of uh, making his status very tenuous based on the year he had. Um, and, you know, that, that that takes a lot considering, you know, what he was in 19, what he was in 20, a guy that Alex Cora has really liked historically. But there were signs that he uh, is, is, you know, uh, either on the decline or just had a really bad year. And, um, you know, the Red Sox looked at that $7 million and thought, uh, you know, I, I really don't know if um, – if we should do this. Another interesting piece of this, I think he was four plate appearances short of triggering a bonus where he is that option would have been 8 million. You know, it seems wow. to me that they um, 
purposefully kept that under to save a million. Um, you know, if Christian Vasquez is, is hitting well and he's his normal self, they don't care if they're going past that threshold, but they did. Um, and so that's something that's pretty interesting as well. Um, and yeah, we talked about the catcher of the future. You know, they do have names, you know, as everybody knows, Connor Wong is a guy that, you know, got some major league run last year. From the Mookie trade, Ronaldo Hernandez, a pretty good prospect who was with the Rays. Heimblum obviously knows him well. Um, there's a couple of other guys in that mix that, um, you know, you could see, you know, start to make waves. But, um, you know, at this point, you know, it's clear just the idea that they went after Jacob Stallings before he was traded from the Pirates to the Marlins shows that they're in the market for somebody. And, um, you know, Mike Zanino is a free agent after next year. Maybe they go after him. I think it's I think uh, Vasquez is on shaky terms and, um, you know, in a walk year, that's not a great place to be. <clears throat> Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, you brought up his, his poor offensive performance last season, hitting 258 with six home runs. And, uh, you know, you, you you mentioned those minor league options as, as well as some options on the free agency market next year. You know, also, I also saw Gary Sanchez, Tucker Barnhart. Um, could you see them potentially going going towards the free agency if, you know, we, we see another Vasquez uh, down season offensively? It's possible. And, you know, they need a guy from within to emerge, too. Um you know, there are some prospects in the system, you know, Cottom, Hickey, a couple of guys I didn't mention who are far, farther away. But, um, you know, I think that they, they're they going to have to, you know, get, you know, bona fide major league guy. And, and maybe in their mind, Kevin Ploiecki can ascend and be that starter. Uh, who knows? You know, I think he needs obviously to work on his arm, but the guy who's a first round pick and has that pedigree and um, has been actually pretty good, you know, kind of an underrated way for the Red Sox in the last two years. A lot of questions there. I think, as you said, people aren't talking about it enough, but it's going to be a storyline, especially if Vasquez struggles early. Very true. I, I think I think Ploiecki need, needs to get a little bit more recognition. Obviously, he's known as like the big clubhouse guy, the the person who started the whole uh, card as, right. as well as dancing on my own. But I mean, he, he really came up clutch when when it really mattered. But I hope you have been enjoying my conversation so far with Red Sox beat writer from MassLive.com, Chris Cotillo. But I just want to take a second real fast to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports waging action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, the last thing I just want to talk about with you, Chris, is you know you mentioned the Hall of Fame uh, voting is, is coming up in the next week or so. and uh, so, Something that I, I was curious about was, how much uh, Kurt Schilling has slipped over the last few weeks. Obviously, we saw last year he had, he has to be taken off uh, the ballot for this season. Uh, but, but were you surprised about that? Uh, you know, not really. Um, I think the numbers maybe a little bit. I think that obviously it's kind of staggering that it seems like he really has no chance of getting in. Um, but I think in the minds of the writers, and I don't vote, I haven't been in, you're going to be in there for 10 years and it's like my fourth or fifth. So uh, I don't vote. So I can't get blamed for anything. It's a great place to be. Um, you know, I think writers probably look at him asking the BBWA to take him off the ballot as to sign like, 
all right, man, if you don't want it, we're not going to give it to you. You know, I think there's a lot of people that obviously think his politics are abhorrent and his uh, stances on certain things, some of the social media posts and those types of things to be, you know, really bad. And, and they are. And, you know, that's a big reason to why he's not going to make it. Um, but, you know, for the people that are on the fence and trying to, you know, keep politics out of it and keep all that stuff. Um, and with him, it goes beyond politics. Politics really isn't the right word. But, um you know, I think the people that were on the fence there looked at it and said, okay, if you don't want this and you're going to ask to be taken off the ballot and you're not going to respect the process, then, you know, but you can fall off fine. And I think a lot of people take, took that stance and, and now you see what the numbers um, say. And uh, it'll be interesting for the Veterans Committee, you know, in whatever form that takes down the road to reassess. Uh, so, but yeah, no, he's, he's not going to make it. And, uh, and I think if you asked me 10 years ago and I was – in high school, if yeah, I thought Kurt Schilling was going to make it, then eventually I probably would have said yes. But uh, things have happened, obviously, and things have changed. Very true. And uh, we, we, we saw in a recent update how well David Ortiz has been doing thus far. And uh, I, I bet you saw Dan O'Shaughnessy only uh, voted for Jeff Kent, which, in my opinion, I, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, but what, what, what are your thoughts on uh, Ortiz doing so well so far? That's, you know, a, a good sign for him. It shows that, you know, the voters are not holding any PED link against him, um, which, you know, that was, you know, the 03 stuff that was way before my time. I admittedly have not done enough research into it, but it seems like he's held to, you know, um, a standard where that's not a huge part of his legacy um, for whatever reason. And, you know, the, the polling numbers are, are good so far. I would caution that at this point, you know, about a week out, uh, Sometimes the numbers on that tracker, the tracker is like the best thing ever. And, and Ryan and the team over there at the Hall of Fame tracker do an amazing job. And people, especially this year, with not, not a lot of baseball stuff to consume, that's just, you know, so great for all of us, really. But the tracker sometimes uh, can be skewed where um, the voters who like to reveal their ballots uh, tend to have more people on their ballots. The ones that don't reveal it have fewer guys. So that suggests that all of the numbers come down. And, and there's a chance that Ortiz just comes down to, you know, in the 70 to 75 range where he doesn't get in as a first ballot guy, you know, it's, it's almost an hundred percent lock. He will get in at some point this year. You know, I think it's, it's more likely than not, but not a complete lock. And um, if he does, it'll be obviously a, a big weekend for, you know, Red Sox fans in Cooperstown. Obviously if, uh, if COVID, um, you know, has, has died down a little bit over the summer, whenever they do it, but uh, good, good signs so far for him, but I wouldn't call it a complete lock. Makes sense. And last question that I got to ask, and I bet you get this anytime anybody brings up the Hall of Fame, but, you know, obviously Bonds and Clemens are in their final year of the voting mm-hmm. of, in eligibility. And I saw that they were above the 75% threshold. And, and what are your thoughts on that? And what do you think their chances are of actually making it into the Hall? Yeah, they're going to fall below it. And when for the same reasons I just outlined with, with Ortiz, and they're not going to make it. And those will be, you know, Veterans Committee cases down the line, too. You know, I, I really, being, uh, you know, I guess so not as many years as everybody, a lot of people in the BBWA haven't really given those things a, a thought of like how I would vote on certain topics, how I would, you know, think about certain things. Um, so I just, uh, you know, I, I don't know. And, in, in, you know, six, seven years, if there's some interesting cases, how I'll vote on them. I don't envy the people that had to make these decisions first, um, but no, I don't think that they're going to make it. Makes sense. And, I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm, I'm a, obviously I, I was a little bit young when, when both of them played, but I'm, I'm a huge component of them getting in just 
plainly for how good they were for during the years. Maybe they, they didn't take steroids, but uh, I re really appreciate you taking the time today, Chris, given all your insight uh, on the Red Sox, as well as, you know, all the different things that are going on around baseball. But for anybody want, that wants to, uh, you know, check you out more, check out more of your articles and, you know, get involved in, in your sports writing workshop, where can they find you? Um, on Twitter, Chris Cotillo, C-O-T-I-L-L-O, -L -L and then everything's on MassLive.com. You know, I, I, uh, we'll try to get some content going, even though it's hard. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Anytime. I hope you guys did enjoy part two of my conversation with Red Sox beat writer from MassLive.com, Chris Cotillo. And I also want to thank you so much for making Locked on Red Sox your first listen every single day. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, and it's available on all platforms, and it's also free. Also make sure you check out Locked on Red Sox Twitter and give us a follow at LO underscore Red Sox because we post Red Sox content every single day. And our goal is to be the most fan engaging Red Sox podcast that there is out there. And we try to get you guys involved in every single episode. And also make sure to follow myself on Twitter at Jake Iggy, as well as my co-host, Nesson writer, Lauren Campbell at La La La. There's three laws, Lauren with four R's. And also get ready for Monday because Red Sox beat writer from The Athletic, Jen McCaffrey, is going to be coming on the show. So thank you guys so much, as always, for tuning in to Locked On Red Sox. If you have not yet, make sure to subscribe and follow us on whatever audio platform you're listening to, as well as YouTube, because we also post the video version as well. But we really appreciate all the support, and we'll see you guys and talk to you guys next time. Have a great weekend. Peace.